ancient. Yeah, he would just like find a Buckingham Palace intern. I don't know if it was And then he would like walk and up. And he would be like he would be like, "Hello. I I have some royal advice to give you." And the intern would be like, "Oh, sure, Mr. Philip." Uh and he would like take them into like a special room. Oh my god. Have you seen Marvel's Runaways? I read the comics. Okay. Then you're you're aware yeah. of the life-sucking machines. Yes, it's really good. Yeah. They have one of those. Uh, Marvel's Runaways is actually based on a true story. It's about Prince Philip, um, where they would yeah. take I'm, imagine, I was would take degenerates off the street and put them in little coffins, and then put Prince Philip in a different coffin, and then all of the life force would be transferred into him. Yeah, the comics were really good. Though. The show is also very good. Yeah, I'm not sure. I still don't know how I feel about the twist with Alex, but it's fine. That's fair. Cause like even whenever I was reading it, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> This does not seem like a good choice. <laughs> like not because I don't think it works, but because of but because Alex is a black kid. Yeah. Like this is important to know if you're going to read it. And I'm sorry for spoiling the twist, but he, he they do make the one of the black char- they do make the black character the villain for the, a good portion there. Mhm. He does come back eventually, but and he gets his redemption arc and all that, but yeah. they still make him the villain. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't watch past season two of the show. I read, I, my aunt and her infinite wisdom and knowing I was probably a gay child, mm-hmm. uh, gave me a really thick volume of The Runaways. Hell yeah. And I read all of it in one sitting because it's so good. I honestly highly recommend the comics. Nice. They're very good. And they also have... They have way more interesting diversity, is the thing. With comics? Yeah. Or just runaways? Comics. Mm. Because, like, Gertrude in the original is meant to be a fat girl. She's meant to be, like, the one with purple hair. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she... Like, there's a lot of more interest. There's a lot more interesting little things in there. Also, Molly is meant to be 11. Yeah, it Molly, pe- um, in the show, I think is... Not 11, but, like, definitely much younger than the other characters, but, like, everyone... No! The actress who plays her was a sophomore in high school when they started filming, and everyone else was in their 20s, so there was, like, I, that's an actual so age weird. difference. That's so weird to me. Like, cause... Yeah. No, it <laughs> stars, uh, not stars, but Gert is played by Ariella Barrer, who is, um a musician from Los Angeles who I have been following for a very long time because she and her bandmate Eden Hain um, and my favorite poet Rhiannon McGavin would make YouTube videos in their bathtubs together in high school Um, and somehow I stumbled upon their YouTube channels and got very invested in them even though they were all like very small creators at the time uh, and now they all work at an art collective called Junior High Los Angeles, which is very cool. Would recommend following them on Instagram. Yeah. They have, like, they're selling tarot cards right now, I think. I went to a poetry mm. workshop with them on Zoom over the summer. They're very neat. Check them out. Yeah. Um, uh, should we start the show? Yeah, let's right. start the show. Hi! Welcome to Lukewarm Takes. It's like hot takes, but worse. I'm Jack. I'm Ford. Nice. Uh, okay, we have news, and we have shameless self-promo, which should include patron shout-outs. We are- um, I do still have those written down. Okay. Uh, I do think somebody upped their payment, so I- Go on patreon.com. I will probably do that. Alright, uh, while you do that, I will do all of the shameless self-promotion stuff. Uh, if you like us in the- very short few minutes that we've been talking on air. Uh, you can follow us anywhere at Brain Rot Presents or... Oh my god, I forgot how to speak English. Brain Rot Presents with no ease. That's Brain Rot underscore Presents anywhere. Uh, subscribe to our Patreon or make a one-time donation for our fundraiser so that we can pay the people that we're working on audio dramas with that would be real great and all um, those links are in our bio yeah all the links are in in everywhere um what else oh if you just like this show and you hate everything else that we do uh you can follow us on instagram at lukewarm takes ec uh this is a wecb show right now uh we're on there it's the underground sound 
Um, I am sleep deprived surgeon on TikTok. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am trying. It's okay. Uh, what else? Oh, I forgot to do my fic recommendation of the week during the pre-show. If you pay us $2 or more on Patreon, you get a fruity little pre-show. Talked about our parental trauma. It was great. Um. Okay. Okay. Here, here is this week's patient, uh, patrons. Uh, I apologize for the wait. <clears throat> All of our $5 patrons are, and thank you for your support, Sean Locke, Jana Loney, Hey, <laughs> Dylan Bochamp, our dear friend who lives downstairs, Prozac Haven, <sighs> Jupiter McIntyre. You know you can sort by Connor, tier, right? I didn't, I was trying to go as fast as possible. <laughs> Connor Fox, Emery Silvers, uh, Saffron, and Adrian Frisbee. Thank you so much Fox for your support. Fox is also our friend who lives downstairs. Yes. Fox and Dylan are roommates. Thanks for telling everybody about it. I'm yeah. sure they really wanted to know. I only, I'm gonna give everyone our address. Yeah. Oh my god. The great thing about living in a college is that it's not hard to just find out someone's address. No, it's not. You that can't get in, though. Terrifies me. But you cannot get in. You can't get in, but still terrifies me. That's fair. Alright, uh, news. Today's news is pretty short, but I think we'll have some stuff to talk about. Uh, first things first, Helen McCroy, uh, from Harry Potter and Peaky Blinders, uh, passed away at 52. Uh, she was known mainly for playing Narcissia Malfoy and, uh, Polly Gray. It's Narcissa? <laughs> A woman is dead, and that's all you can think about? How dare you? How dare you silly the name of a Malfoy? <laughs> Lukewarm Takes does not condone the actions of uh, the Malfoy family or any part of the Harry Potter series. I don't like this alternate universe you've just created. Legal where disclaimer. I don't like the alternate universe you've just created where apparently... <laughs> Fun fact, I had to explain the Harry Potter fandom to a middle-aged professor yesterday. Our other fun little piece of news is that uh, Alfred Molina is going to be back playing Doc Ock. Uh, they just confirmed it because Alfred Molina let it leak. Uh, and they confirmed that his character of Doc Ock will be returning. Not just him as the actor, but the character uh, in its entirety. Like, from that from that continuation. And everything I learned about Spider-Man, it seems like they're very much so going to be doing like a Spider-Verse type thing. But yeah. they refuse to acknowledge it because they're like, no, we can't spoil it. This has to be a, this has to be a surprise. People. We can't spoil it, but also we've confirmed basically everything about a Spider-Verse. All they do is not confirm that Toby uh, McGuire and Andrew Garfield were there. That's all they, that's- Toby and Andrew are there. No. They they're have, not there? They haven't confirmed it. But they're there. They're- Toby and Andrew are gonna be in the next movie. They have Alfred Molina there. There's no way. Like- Yeah. Also, they're introducing Miles Morales- Sorry, I have such a bitter thoughts towards the way the MCU has treated Miles Morales yeah, already. Yeah, because they, yeah, everything that Peter Parker has done in the MCU is just Miles Morales. They stole Miles Morales' story, okay? Yeah. They stole Miles Morales' story and then made it anti-union propaganda, and they were like, here's your Spider-Man movie, and everyone was like, Tom Holland, trans boy, um, and I was one of those people for several years. <laughs> Yeah, you can go back and listen to to us rant, mostly me, rant about why I think the Spider-Man series really failed in that regard. Yeah. Uh, especially the part about Vulture. <laughs> yeah. Um, watch Iron Man 3 and you'll feel better. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Iron Man 3 came out before Homecoming. Spider-Man was fully not there. God, I love Iron Man 3. I don't care about it I'm gonna, all. next time, next time I'm in charge of an episode... It's going to be Iron Man 3 commentary. And I will suddenly disappear. No. <laughs> I will be... I'll just, like, you know that one image where the guy is just, like, does a peace sign fades out of existence? Yeah. yeah that's no, you'll, you'll have to do it. People are counting on us. <laughs> For what? <laughs> Iron Man 3 commentary. 
God. Um, any other news? <laughs> Sorry, I was just processing, like, this is, this is what I'm doing now. This is what I'm doing with my time. Yes. For, like, a very short brief second. Uh, the final thing is that, uh, Am- is that Amazon? Netflix released a, a series based on the the young adult series Shadow and Bone. Uh, that happened. I don't know anything about it, but I know that book series is a big deal, so it wor- it's worth mentioning. It is. Yeah. Uh. And finally, uh, Castlevania season four. Uh, that's also coming out on Netflix eventually, but they've officially announced it, and that's all. That's all well and good. So. There's not much else happening. Literally, the entire the site I'm looking at is just wall to wall, uh, wall to wall uh, news about uh, <laughs> news about Falcon and Winter Soldier, but it's all just stupid stuff. Are there any Are there any spicy uh, homosexual Falcon and Winter Soldier updates though? Unfortunately, not. I know that I think uh, the the fascist Captain America broke Bucky's arm or something. Uh, and people saw, they were like, oh my god, if this screenshot is Sam seeing Bucky getting beaten up by John Walker, I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm like, can you guys give it a rest? I am just, I am just patiently waiting for the, the gay teen railroad Captain America comics to come out. I can't, Um, I personally can't wait. Yeah. For the shit, for that, that's gonna be fantastic, and I know it is. Yeah. But also the fan edits to Mitsuki. There's already been one. I saw one. I It came yes. across my For You page. Yes. It was to I Bet I'm Losing Dogs. <laughs> oh, it's so good. My baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, okay, last piece of news. What is their ship name? Is it Sucky? No, that is not it. It's Sam Bucky. The... Uh, <laughs> They also have Winter Falcon, if you're I, feeling spicy. I am so disappointed. Like, fan culture has evolved since uh, the the early 2010s, right? Mm-hmm. Since the late aughts, early 2010s. Yeah. Um, and in many ways, it's evolved to be better. Uh, the way that it has evolved to be worse um, is that no one puts any thought into ship names anymore. I think it's for the You best. just stick two names together I and you th- call it a ship name? Disgusting. I think it's kind of for the best because it makes it easier to figure out what to search. No. No, I hate it. I, I Ship names should either be clever combinations of two names or completely unrelated inanimate objects. <laughs> I don't... That is the ship name system we have agreed on. It dra- that is what it is. Destiel... It's gotten so far that Destiel has become Dean Cass. Dean Cass is the worst thing I've ever heard. Okay, That's not true. I, Spurk and Charmarg are the worst things I've ever heard. But, God. Okay, no, I want to say in defense of Dean Cass. No. It, it's because... Yeah, it's because the creators called it Dean Cass. Well, no, and I don't like, care. Oh, now we have to do that. Oh, I don't care about that. I think it's more because uh, people who, who are older... Uh, and also, if you, like, go, even just go take a quick glance at the Destiel tag, which I unfortunately did, because, uh, for the episode that we did about it, uh, people don't want the tag being polluted by number one memes, and number two, uh, really old cringy posts, if I You, you stick with Destiel, and you put up (laughs) with the cringe. Yeah. Like a goddamn American. (laughs) Like a god-fearing Democrat. You put up with it. Yeah, I don't care one way. I'll die on this hill. I, I hate the word spurk with my whole being, but at least they tried. Yeah, I I truly don't care one way or the other. I just think it was worth bringing up that it's I... It's the worst in the MASH fandom. There's Honeyhawk, which is such a great name, and then people changed it to Hawk Beach. I... The state of the world is so abysmal, and this is why. If we fix this, everything else will fall into place. Yes. Alright, and the final piece of news to transition into our main topic for today, which I am so excited about, is Avatar The Last Airbender's YouTube channel is airing a new original series next week. Uh, They're announcing a... I don't think... I'm not quite sure what the circumstances are, 
I'm not sure if it's going to be like a full-length series or anything, but it is going to be airing on YouTube. So. Sick. Uh, it is going to, I think it's going to be released on Earth Day? Yes, on April 22nd. So on April 22nd, if you really, if you really need some new Avatar content, go check out their YouTube channel, I guess. Uh, hopefully there will be something. Oh, in personal news, someone on TikTok said I look like that weird artist junkyard guy from the Iron Giant, and I'm still riding that high. Oh, Dean? Yeah. Oh, I love that dude. Gender. That guy is gender. I, yeah. Anyway, so if you can't tell from, like, the, from the connections we're making here, uh, today's main topic is about animation, and... More specifically, TV animation is going to be a big part of that, mm -hmm. because that's kind of the future at this point. It's pretty clear. Yeah. Like, obviously, animated film is always going to be there in some capacity, but I think TV animation is probably going to be where, where we see change begin to start in the yeah, way that content is produced. Film animation, except for, I feel like companies like Leica, um... Film animation has gotten so concerned with realism... And it's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's why I always like TV animation way yeah, more. Yeah, TV animation is where animation has been preserved as, like, an art form that doesn't try to look like it's live action. And try- um, Which is what Pixar has been doing the last many years. To try and convince you that somehow it's better. Yeah. Because it's, it's all based in this idea that animation is like a lesser art form to live action, which it fully isn't. No, you can do incredible things with animation. Yeah. Like far, in fact, it can be a bit more expensive at times, but it's a lot less expensive than a lot of expensive CGI. Yeah. Uh, because you can do like really interesting things and like explore worlds without the boundaries of like not yeah. only reality, but then like a a billion dollars worth of CGI. Yeah, I don't know if I've talked about my deep, deep hatred of CGI on this podcast before. I don't think we've referred to it in depth. I please. hate it. Um, it has, like, like practical effects do so much more. Um, like, I cannot stand watching movies and knowing that they filmed everything in front of a green screen. Um, I understand that it's like the way things are done now, and it's probably more efficient in a lot of ways. I don't care. Paint a goddamn set. Make a puppet. <laughs> make a- make a puppet. <laughs> it just- puppets are way more fun, too. Yeah, it's because- it's because I love John Carpenter. I was literally about to say John Carpenter is my god. Yeah, it's like I- I was fine with CGI, and then I watched The Thing, and I was like, damn, movies can look like this? <laughs> yeah. You ever watch Alien and think about how that's, like, a seven-foot man in that costume, and you're like, oh, this slaps. Yeah. Because it's like, you get way more interesting movement than... Yeah, it's like, there, there's, like, talent in creating CGI, um, but it feels so much... Like, there's so much more distance between the, the actors and the things that are happening that are CGI, and it shows in a lot of ways. Exactly. And it's like, um, there's this, like, knowledge that everything that you're looking at is just, like, a computer. Um, yeah. And it, it's a different feeling watching a movie than if you're watching something with practical effects, or if you're watching something with animation. And that is not to discredit the people who work very hard on CGI. Yeah. They... They are doing their job the best they can. Yeah, and, like, CGI does look really good right now, but, like, you've talked about this a lot, where, like, it will look really outdated in several years. Yeah, I, I can't remember who said the quote, but I genuinely think it's probably gets right to the root of the problem, which is that good practical effects will always be good practical effects, but good CGI will be CGI in ten years. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of the main takeaway that I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's like, yeah, because technology is always going to be getting better, but people are still going to go back and watch a Guillermo del Toro movie and be like, wow, that monster looks amazing. Because it's... Because it does. Because it does. Because it's a real costume with a person in it. Guillermo, my beloved. And that's so good. That's so interesting to me. Especially because it's like, it gives a more nuanced portrayal, a more nuanced acting performance as well. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, I, um, 
I will admit I'm not a great actor. I've never thought about acting as like a serious career, but I cannot imagine being like, to use an example we've been using, Tom Holland and like walking on to film Spider-Man and they just like stick you in a green screen in like a little green onesie and they're like, all right, you're Spider-Man now. I'd be like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm a guy in a green suit yeah. in a stupid green room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, all right, that's the airplane. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> that is a stick. That is <laughs> that is a, a PVC pipe that you've tied to some string. Yeah. Oh my god. It's so funny to me, though. And a big reason I'm bitter about this is because whenever we do get original content animation, it is so often shut down. Yeah, it's so overlooked. Soon. It's shut down, and it is, like, even though fans will, like, advocate for it, like, push for it, support the hell out of it, because, like, the creators have to shill on Twitter just because they're like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen to my show next, so. Yeah. And it's sad, because a lot of, like, like a lot of the recent reboot culture stems from, like, a good reboots that were done because they were like, hey, that, uh, that were done because they realized how to do a reboot good, but they were like, no, 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 this is the only profitable content now. Yeah. Sorry, DuckTales uh, 2017, but unfortunately, you bear some of this cross. Yeah. It's a... And the reason I'm bringing this up in connection with animation is because uh, this week we watch the final season of Infinity Train. Wow. It's, I guess we should start there with how it was, what it, what it was, and why it and shows like it get so pushed under the table, even though they do such incredible work. Mm-hmm. Like, we watched the first three seasons, well, you watched the first three seasons back in September, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, it's, already like off the bat like each season just gets progressively better like you think oh they can't top this and they're like but we did like every season deals with something a little bit different but every single time they improve on what they had before yeah and it's so impressive like especially especially the visuals and the animation like right off the bat in season four this is like episode one content they do this split screen oh the yeah yeah, because the whole season is based on, it's, the previous seasons have all been based on, like, one character's arc, and this season is based on, like, the re- there's two people stuck on the train at the same time, and their numbers are, like, linked, and so it's, like, instead of repairing something about themselves, they have to repair their relationship with each other, and the first episode is almost entirely, like, split-screen of them, like, going in different paths in their life, but then one of them comes back, and it, like, the split screens, like, converge for a second, and so you, like, see, like, two POV angles yeah, of the same see, shot, and then the line in the middle of the split screen turns into, like, the door, and then one of them crosses it, and then it goes away. Ugh! Ugh! Honestly, one of the best shots I've seen. It is so excellent. It's so good, in that immediately, that does so much setup right there, right off the bat. Yeah. It's like, these are who these characters are. This is how their relationship has progressed throughout the years. Because earlier in the episode, you see them, like, together. You see them, like, fooling around as kids, like, in their backyards. And then they go their separate ways throughout school. And eventually, early college. Uh, or not even college, because both of them don't go to college. But uh, through the early parts of their life. And uh, then they come back. They converge together. And that was, like, such a good storytelling thing. Yeah. That I wish live-action shows would do more of. Yeah. Because, I want to make it clear, there was almost no dialogue except for that cute little song they did uh, Mm -hmm. in the backyard, but got their characters across clear as day. Yeah. Which, visual storytelling is such a a well-mastered thing in animation. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. Like, whenever, uh, in in that first episode, whenever you see Ryan, like, you see Min, like, walking around, he's, like, holding the little, uh, mini, uh... Pocket synth. Pocket synth, thank you. He's, like, holding the little pocket synth to his chest. He's, like, clearly very anxious about it. And he's, like, trying to convince his parents to listen to him. And then you see Ryan pop out of the bushes, dressed like David Bowie. And you're like, okay, I know who these people are now. 
It's yeah. very, like, clear, and it's very, like, bam, bam, bam. And then they immediately, like, and this is just the cold open, by the way. The entire first episode is basically their cold open. It's very, it's very good omens, actually. It's such a good omens thing. They're basically one, I, they're basically one, you go too fast for me, cruelly away. Gay, gay love is stored in the extended cold open. Yeah. And I do want to know, they don't exactly make them canon, because, like, number one, that's not what this season was about. They kiss. <laughs> no, they don't. Watch Infinity Train, the gay people kiss. <laughs> Maybe if we lie to them enough, they'll do it, because the show needs more views. <laughs> no. Oh, and Dennis, here is how you get another season of Infinity Train. Just post uh, a picture of them kissing. No, no, no. Go go back and sneakily animate a kiss into one of the episodes. Yeah, but this I like that they don't go for that directly because their their relationship through the course of season four is in such disrepair that they should not be together in that way. Yeah, that's fair. However, they should have kissed. I like to imagine that they were holding hands whenever they left. They were. Yeah. It fully showed them take hands as they left the train. Swag. <laughs> Don't whip and also say swag. That's too many things at once. <laughs> I'm just excited for... And then they have the, the music of Infinity Train, especially this season. They really emphasize the part about music and intimacy in a way that's just... Mwah, mwah. <laughs> especially that part especially that uh, part in episode 6 or was it 7 what the party episode at the end uh i think it's 6 okay episode the end of episode 6 with the bathtub scene yeah one of the best pe- one of the best scenes i've ever seen in a show mm-hmm. period like god like like the composition like that moment of them like Realizing, like, oh, the door's unlocked, and they just, like, looked at, look at each other for a moment, and then they just go back to playing. I was like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And I know I'm, like, going on just saying, And, like, Kez, Kez as a metaphor for their relationship, also. Exactly. Also, Kez as the best character in Infinity Train. (laughs) Kez is probably one of their strongest choices they made. Yeah. Like, because all the companions, I don't want to discredit any of the companions, because no. all of them are so good. Like, every single companion has been great. I love, I love yeah. Atticus the Corgi. I love, I love Alan Dracula. All of the fantastic. Atticus is so great. Atticus. Um, I'm not a good boy. <laughs> I'm a good man. It's my favorite. I will say, one critique, mm. one little critique for season four. No one one. Yeah, we barely. I'm aware that there was like lore going on in the background because it was like when Amelia was there. It was like it was like during Amelia's takeover. Yeah, this is some this is some like Infinity. Wow, not Infinity War, Infinity Train lore from like earlier seasons. And we're talking about the last season. They're spoilers. I know. Um, I'm just saying like they're. Yeah, but it's like when Amelia is like up there, getting get done. Um, and so, like, yeah. one one isn't at the... Because it's set yeah. in, like, the 60s. Um, uh, no, it's the 80s. It's set in the 80s. Uh, oh my god, what was I gonna say? I mean, it's implied. So, so like, one one is there, but he's not, like, a character who just, like, runs around being one one yeah. yet. Um, but I missed him. God, I love one one. I missed that little guy. He's... It's such a short... That's where Infinity Train really excels, and I think more, I really like, I love more shows to do this. They realize their shows succeed the most whenever their characters are as charming as their concepts. Yeah. Like, every single character, I can't think of a character I dislike on that show, because even the villains have something interesting about them. Uh Something charming. Yeah. And Speaking of charming villains, Samantha was back. Samantha the Samantha cat. lore. This technically gave us, like, even though I'm really upset because season five is going to be the Amelia takeover season, where they, like, actually went over and, like, talked about how she performed that coup d'etat that we saw in, like, episode oh, that eight. that would have been so cool. Yeah, because early in the season we saw that she was working up front, but she wasn't the conductor. Yeah. But then in episode seven, episode eight, a seven or eight, something happens, and you're like, oh, 
one one isn't in charge anymore. Yeah. Uh, so that's how that's going. <laughs> and Owen Dennis did this, like, Reddit AMA where people were, like, asking questions, and, and he was like, unfortunately, that would have been something we answered in season five. And people are like, when do you think you're gonna give, uh, give out the spoilers for it? And, and he was like, uh, whenever I finally give up hope that we're not going <laughs> to make it. Oh, Owen. Yeah. Which is a big reason why I really wanted to wait until this season came out to talk about TV animation, because there's a lot of great programming out there right now that's severely underrated mm -hmm. and is constantly being threatened by executives despite being successful original content. Yeah. And I can think of a few within the past few years, obviously Infinity Train being the biggest one, because it is so severely underrated. If you can find a way to watch it legally by an HBO Max trial or otherwise, please do it. it or at least talk about it on the internet. Very, yeah. Because it deserves your attention. But point being, there's a good few animated programs in the past few years that I could think of that really just knocked it out of the park. But there, people are always like worried that they're never going to get another season. Like you have the Owl House that came out uh, as done by Dana Terrace, which had the first representation of like a lesbian and a bisexual character uh, in a Disney show. Like, mm -hmm. because like that. Because, like, they have the Grom episode, which is, uh, Amity Real- Which is, uh, they both have to confront their greatest fears, and they have, like, this thing at the end where they do, like, this really cool dance animation, which is fluid as- But- And they- They have this moment where it's, like, realizing Amity's greatest fear was rejection, of being rejected by the person she wanted to ask out. And Luz was like, ah, who did you want to ask out? And she's like, don't worry about it. And she ta- She, like, tears the note in half and tosses part of it over her shoulder. And you realize it says Luz- like, that's the- that's a very direct way of saying this character, this other girl, like, this teenage girl, had a crush on this other teenage girl. Yeah. And we didn't get to see that until, like, like, very directly until, like, Steven Universe, which, like, I have my problems with, but the fact that they had that representation- they got to have that representation in the first place was a pretty big deal. So that happened there. And- then you go to Adventure Time, which is the other big thing. Because Cartoon Network... I, Cartoon Network has been kind of the, the, big boy, the, the big boy on campus whenever it comes to representation and animation. Yeah. They've been kind of shoving the other kids around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you had seen... Because they started out with Steven Universe in about... Uh, was it 2015? No, it was earlier than that. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they started out with Steven Universe, uh, which didn't work off the concept they were not advertising with like diversity as like their big sell yeah. they're like here's a show about a kid who lives with aliens <laughs> and you're like okay cartoon network let's let's give it a shot and then they're like actually this is about space lesbians and you're like well all right then please continue then you have Adventure Time, which for years people were like, Marceline and Bubblegum have had some kind of relationship. Marceline and Bubblegum have had some kind of relationship. And yeah. people thought it was just speculation. And they thought, okay, we're just being queer baited again. Then they actually get an on-screen kiss. And they talk about it literally in the show that they had a very complicated past relationship and ended up breaking up. And I'm like, yes! Good. So good. And I have a bunch of other shows. Like, if you go look at the graphic that I made, that's all just shows that I like that I think did really good stuff. Like, especially more recently, you have stuff like Craig of the Creek and Amphibia, which both have, like, main like main characters of color and are made by people of color. Like, Craig of the Creek, it's about, it's about a, black, uh, a black boy named Craig, and it's not... And it's about the fact that he goes and plays outside with his friends in, like, an elaborate warrior cats role play, basically, <laughs> in the creek. It's so cool. I love it. And then you have... <laughs> and then you have, uh... Amphibia. Why did I forget the name for a second? Amphibia, which start, which is made by... Which is made by, uh, South, uh, South, uh, South Asian people. Uh, and you have... And it's, like, created by created by South Asian people, and it's about a South Asian girl, Nate, like, her, she has a very, like, she has a very obviously Thai last name, and she's, like, very, and she has dark skin, and it's really good, but that, and it's, like, a part, it's a part of them, it's not something that's ignored, 
But it's not. It, but their but their race isn't used as plot. Yeah. And it's really good. And I really enjoy. And I really wish because the animation problem. Every single. I'm just gonna say this now as just a little a little umbrella for everything going forward. Okay. Every single industry we're going to talk about, like the sub-industries of film and TV, have a problem with diversity in their writing room. Well, yeah. I don't, like, they have a problem with diversity within their hiring and their staff and their voice actors. But there's a reason that is often referenced that this, there's a reason that it is often referenced that podcasting and animation is like a big way for people uh, for uh, for minorities to get their foot in the door because they're their industries that are often like kicked aside and seen as lesser than than their counterparts and I think that's a really interesting phenomena that that's where we're finding the most footing like you see web comics and you see audio dramas and animated shows that are done online uh, of people's own volition and that's how they see themselves getting into the, and that's how they see themselves being represented now in a lot of cases yeah. because they see that as the place where they can actually squeeze in there and I I do think like you were saying earlier which I think is something that we need to touch on and go back to uh, people often think and I think this is a big part of the fear that, from executives that come with producing original content is that, oh, I forgot to mention Keep on the Age of Wonder Beast, one of the best shows ever made. Uh, and also, genuinely, best music I've ever heard. Nice. Just go, like, you don't even have to watch the show. Just go listen to the soundtrack on Spotify, and you'll just be like, wow, this slaps. <laughs> Good show, great diversity. And just great characters. Every single character, so charming, and it's so good. I love the style. That's another thing that 2D animation brings to the table, like, actually having, like, very unique styles. They aren't trying to yeah. emulate each other. Like, some, and, like, sometimes, yes, that comes with the caveat of, like, sometimes people are gonna make something in a style that you think is ugly. <laughs> That's fine. It's part of experimentation. It makes it more interesting whenever ugly things exist. Because it means that people are trying new things, as opposed to always looking the same and monotonous. Yeah. Which is like, like, you know, obviously, if I think something looks ugly, I will dunk on it. I will dunk on it. But I, <laughs> but I still think that's better than, like, in, like, 3D animation where everything looks the same all the time, and it has to, or else people won't take it seriously. Yeah. And I personally, like, really enjoy ugly art styles. I think there is a lot of benefit to them and we're going to come back to that whenever I talk about the whenever I talk about what you were saying earlier with the fear that comes with uh, like always having to have a reboot is because they're like that's what's safe. They think that's safe and they think the only way to appeal to people is if it's with something they know and something they trust. Yeah. Especially especially if it's for children because even though children couldn't give less of a about what you're showing them, like, in terms of, like, if it's new or if it's old, they just want to see something interesting. And I think a lot of, like, studios see that as, oh, they only want to see things that people already know, that are well, bright and it's colorful because, and in your face. It's because, like, you release the first Trolls movie, right? Exactly. And then children are like, this is so excellent. And what uh, producers don't realize is that, like, they like trolls because it's colorful and there's cool music and characters that they like, and they think, oh, they like this because it's trolls, let's make more. Exactly. That's like, you can just, you can just keep making one-off movies that are good, like trolls, yeah. uh, and you'll get the same amount of turnout. The only reason that sequels like Trolls World Tour would get that like, a good amount of turnout is because the parents are like, my kid likes trolls, I'm gonna force them to watch the second one. Which is where they see profit as a thing. Because they yeah. aren't looking at children as people that actually enjoy content. That's because no one looks at children as people, but that's a different problem. That is a totally different problem, but it is an extension of it, where they're like, oh, we're not going to consider the fact that this is why kids enjoyed that thing. Yeah. We're going to instead focus on the fact that, number one, they must have enjoyed this thing because it is the thing it is, yeah. and we can market it to parents because yeah. they're like, oh, this will shut my kid up for an hour and a half. 
I will say for the record, I think children are gross and weird, but I also think they're sentient, so... <laughs> they're people and you should be nice to them. Yeah. And that's a big part of that. And then on top of that, the other layer that comes in here uh, is people thinking adult animation, because you said it right at the top of the hour, which I think is very on point. Adult, uh, people don't see animation as something that is a medium. They see it as a genre. Yeah. But a genre for children. And because of that, the animation that is produced uh, is often made for children. And, it, and if it is made for adults, it is often ugly as sin. Just, there, there is one good example that I can think of that like genuinely looks so beautiful, and that's BoJack Horseman. That it's an interesting animation style, and it can border on ugly, but not in a way that I don't like. Yeah. I think the BoJack Horseman animation style is gorgeous. Yeah. And they, like, and they do so much with that, and you can tell that they're actually trying to play with the medium a bit, and I really like that. And BoJack is, like, a great show. BoJack is my favorite show, actually, is the thing. It's my favorite show I've ever watched, and it is entirely animated. Wow. (laughs) Crazy. And you see that a lot, too, because, like, people think that because something is made with children in mind, like, looking back on other pieces of animation, that it must be shallow and lacking depth. But that is not accurate. Yeah. A lot of the times, they portray messages that are often missed but in other media with such, with more nuance and care than they do. Yeah. Like, there's a moment in that new season where Min says... So you can still mess up just by standing still. And um, that hit... Of Infinity Train. Of Infinity Train. Like, there's a new moment in that new season of Infinity Train where he says that. And that hit. Yeah. That hit really hard. And it's like... And they also... Yeah, both, both Min and Ryan, like, everything that they said about themselves and, like, everything that they realized about themselves hit so hard. Like, it was so much... Like, every revelation that they had was just like, yeah. Yeah, because they, they felt like characters that were like us. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, they are us. Like, they're our age. But then they also have this moment in the bathtub where it's like, where, Ryan, where Min is like, what do we do after this happens? Like, yeah. you know, we could leave here. We could leave this train. We could go to New York. But what says that we're going to be successful? Ryan... Do you know two guys that are doing what we do that look like us? Yeah. And that was such a powerful moment because they didn't ignore that. They lo- they don't ignore the fact that Ryan that Min and Ryan are two are are two Asian that are two Asian men. Yeah. And it's like they use those things and they talk about those things and it's like very interesting and important. And that's why animation can be such a beautiful medium to talk about to talk about such intense personal things. And the and I think that honestly, it is going to be the way forward. There is going to be more teen animation and more adult animation that is made that is actually pretty and talks about those things more like Bojack Horseman did, mm-hmm. or even action animation and such. And shows like Infinity Train. That's kind of why it getting canceled was, like, so devastating to me personally. Because as an animation fan, that is one of the few shows that wasn't explicitly made for children. That was entirely animated. Yeah. It's, because, like, every season has talked about things that I, yeah, I still deal with. Like, in season two, the whole thing with identity, like, Lake as, Lake as a person, like, learning their own identity and learning who they are mm-hmm. and, like, trying to decide what that means, if they are real. Like, there is a philosophical debate there that's so interesting and nuanced. And you see this a lot now where in animation where they have, like, these really powerful, they have these really powerful moments that just hit. And... They hit just as hard as the live action stuff. And if we begin to see like animation as a medium that's actually it works in our favor, that we can that we can use to tell stories in a way that feels more personal in a way, in certain aspects, you we will begin to see far more pieces of animation 
that are centered towards people based on what they like rather than what age they are. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's going to be the way forward. And a big part of that, a big way to get people to pay attention to that is by supporting creators uh, who are making original content. Uh, not just Disney stuff. Like, I don't really care about a lot of Disney content. Don't. I, I, I like The Owl House. I like Amphibia. They're great shows, and you should support them. But also, I don't really care about Disney. The, things, the things that Disney does well... They're good in spite of the fact that they're Disney, not because of it. Exactly. They just happen to have creators who make good stuff Yeah, there. they just happened to have creators who were willing to put up with working for Disney. Yeah. And, so yeah, you should go, like, like I think a big part of the hesitation that comes with that is, uh, people think that it's embarrassing to like animation, and it's embarrassing to care about something that's seen as childish. Yeah. But I, I, I stopped being ashamed so long ago because I found that people were going to, people were going to give you, sh- were going to give you sh- no matter what you did. Mm-hmm. People were going to shame you for your interest if it didn't align with theirs anyway. Because if they don't see it as like an entirely adult prospect, they're going to give you crap for it anyway. So just enjoy it and realize that it's an art form. More yeah. than anything else. Like, there is so, like, just TV animation alone, we shouldn't be watching creators have to shill for their own projects just to stay alive. They shouldn't have to be getting on there every day, retweeting fan stuff. Like, like, hey, please watch this show. It's so good. Hope it gets a season two. We should do this. Blah, blah, blah. Like, begging. Begging to be paid attention to, to actually be continue their content while and while Teen Titans Go gets its fifth season. <laughs> hey, Teen Titans slaps. Yeah, but then they canceled the original Teen Titans, which also never got to finish its story. Yeah. What a perfect metaphor, though. <laughs> Teen Titans, the original show with this really beautiful animation and like really intense storytelling and great character dynamics gets canceled and replaced by a simpler show made for children uh, and oftentimes bases on really crappy jokes. <laughs> and it, and that's had five seasons and, and a movie, literally. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> it makes me sad. It really does. I, I think another big, like, and I think the, the Avatar resurgence this summer shows that there is more than a market for animation for that age demographic. Yeah, absolutely. Because my sister, she could not she could not care less about animated content. She does not like it whenever I turn that stuff on in the living room. But she watched all of Avatar and she called me crying about it. Because she because it because it was emotional. It was a very real experience. And the people watching Korra too, I honestly think that any executive would be dumb not to look at that and realize, oh, the, the market is getting older and it wants stuff like this. Yeah. And if we continue to support stuff like this, maybe we can see more of it. Which is why I am going to implore you to please, if you can, support Infinity Train legally. Try and get it a new season. Like... I, they had to stop production back in 2020 anyway because of being canceled, uh, and they had finished the fourth season by then anyway. Right. But go support. Give us the Amelia and One One lore. I want that season. I want the. I co- want it too. I want to watch the the Amelia Kuda. Amelia t- Amelia's backstory is so interesting. I want a season about her so bad. It's so interesting! And, like, that entire sequence, whenever they're, like, showing her backstory on the tape in the cat's car. Yeah. So good. So honestly, one of the best ways I've ever seen like the de- the dead spouse thing played out. Yeah, it's very excellent. Like, um, I think we should go to recommendations. Yes. Yes. Here's my recommendation: go support Infinity Train legally. <laughs> go watch Infinity Train. Get an HBO Max trial. 
Go watch it, and if yes. you can't watch it legally, get an H. Do what I did in September and get an HBO Max trial, and then forget and uh, accidentally pay for a month of HBO Max, and then two weeks into paying for that month, you find out that your mom just got an HBO Max subscription, so you didn't even have to get a trial anyway to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But do that, and if you can't support it legally, just get on social media. And talk about it, because that's what people pay attention to. Yes. Like, make content. Make content for content. Yes. Just get excited about it. Do you have any personal favorites that you'd like to share? Of, uh, animated shows? Yeah. I do not watch animated shows, except the ones that you have shown me. I will drag you into it. I will make you realize. (laughs) This... That's why I've been talking the entire time. Yeah. It's because... I, I stepped back. <laughs> um, I don't know. I like Infinity Train. <laughs> That's my recommendation, do you, too. Do you have a favorite season? Four. I love Kez so much. Such I a... love Kez and Ryan. <laughs> the characters in this season, absolutely stellar. Yeah. Every single one of them. Yeah. Alright, uh, this has been Lukewarm Takes... From WECB, the Underground Sound, I've been Jack. I've been Ford, and up next is Lonely Boy Radio. Hell yeah. Um, Take care of yourselves. Yeah. And watch something good. Alright, goodbye kings. Five, six, eleven, twelve. cassettes for sale? We're... we're working on it.